0: Welcome to the Never Not Creative Podcast. I'm Andy Wright and I'm joined
1: by... Sarah We're joined, but we're not really joined. We're sort of virtually streaming. Joined. Yeah.
0: I think everyone's virtually joined at the moment. But we're back as a team. We were back a couple of episodes ago and then we had a little break and then, you know, COVID, lockdown. Yeah. We're all over the shelf, aren't we?
1: Yeah. Do you know my daughter said to me the other day... Well, I said to her, I was trying to spin it, and I said, oh, aren't you lucky you get so much time with your mum and dad? And she said, what, didn't you? And I said, oh, no, I went to school every day. I didn't, you didn't have to have school at home. And she said, "But well, what did you do when there was lockdown? I was like, well, <laughs> sorry to say. But this whole kind of Zoom classroom video calls, that's just going to be normal for them. It's mind-blowing.
0: It's going to be weird, isn't it, comparing the stories of school for people going to school now versus when we did very different no lockdowns no technology no zoom a friend of ours told us a story the other day about how we, this is not by the way this isn't the geriatric podcast <laughs> uh, a friend of ours the other day told us how she had a friend in the back of the car and she or one of her daughter's friends and her daughter was at home and she called her daughter and um the friend in the back of the car knew that the daughter didn't have a mobile phone because she wasn't allowed one and so she goes how did you do that what do you mean
1: how
0: did you do how did you speak to to so and so and uh she has well I called her on the landline what's a landline and and it was just this like you know unheard of concept of because quite a few houses don't have landlines now
1: I don't have one do you
0: no I don't have one it's weird that they have one to be honest Uh, (laughs)
1: Well, it's maybe because the daughter doesn't have a mobile phone.
0: Yes. Yeah. And so it's easy to contact home. But, um, yeah, there's just so many things that you kind of, you know, we've been through and we take for granted. And it's not like that for people nowadays.
1: No. It's, well, it probably is for some. And that's, yeah, where the remote schooling divide comes in, huh? Mm. I've got my daughter FaceTiming me from the other room when she's got a question. (laughs) <laughs> or messaging me
0: Remote at home Yes, there's yeah. a lot of Yeah, I bet there's a lot of Internal phone calls I do get a lot of My son sends um Google broadcast messages For dinner And it comes up But it wakes, you know Alerts the entire house dinner. I
1: hope he's cooking it too That would be a nice development He's it? not
0: But to be fair He is quite helpful So he's pretty good at helping Pack away, for example mm. Mm. So we're Here for another episode of the podcast, and we're sort of continuing with the past episodes that are all inspired by and taking content from our platform, Never Not International Women's Day. And I mean, you can't say you've got a favorite, can you? But this talk that we're basically leading into from Tanara Schneider, who is Director of People and Culture at Accenture over in America is so considered and quite, like, inspiring, but also just, like, so confronting. And I think I might have mentioned before, like, I edited these videos often, you know, in this room late at night, and so it's dark outside, and I had Tanara just, like, eyes boring into me, telling me that, you know, if you're a white male, your fear of her isn't her problem, it's your problem. And it's a pretty... You know, it's a very, very good thought to actually start thinking about when we try and consider like how we're supposed to get past this. And, you know, so often we make it women's problem that they're supposed to deal with and that they organize the events for. They do all the talking to. But unfortunately, it's kind of in a bubble, isn't it? Like it's women talking to women's not actually hitting the heart of the problem, which is, I guess, people like me.
1: Yeah, I mean... The problem is the people that you talk to or are being talked to that do listen and agree and you need that sort of environment to lift it up and to amplify the voice. And then there's the people that don't want to hear it and don't listen. So, Andy, you do want to hear it. The problem is people who don't actually want to listen at all. But her talk is amazing. It's compelling and... You can't look away, kind of things, yeah. and it? it's you sort of need to just lock people in a room and just broadcast it to them.
2: We
0: do like a nineteen eighty four type <laughs> yeah. thing, right? Like just just get everyone so that your eyeballs are glued to the screen.
1: With those, what do they have? Those little things that open eye opener things. Oh, that's cork orange. I mean, mate, I'm not advocating torture. By the way, this is like.
0: But how many solutions have we got left? <laughs> <laughs> but what did you um i mean obviously the main premise of tanara's talk is that your fear of me isn't my problem
1: mm. yeah it's not my burden yeah, yeah she's
0: come to grips with that and that now she's you know feels confident to move forward whereas actually in the past you know people were kind of using it as an excuse that she was you know almost seen as intimidating
1: uh i think it's true it's you know, all these perceptions about certain types of women being angry or, you know, the angry black woman trope or the dragon lady, which is sort of the Asian one, which is the one that, you know, you're either submissive or you're a dragon lady. There's no in-between. You can't just be a confident Asian woman. They aren't the problem of each individual. And yet I know from a personal perspective, it's really hard to unpick it because there's so many times where I find myself qualifying or worrying and you know I think her talk is really powerful because she has sort of said you know what I'm going to unburden myself from the worrying and from the qualifying and from the automatic things that I used to do. I don't yet know how to tell people to do that automatically or or how to provide a pathway for it though. I think it's actually just getting older and giving less of a shit. I I mean we sort of yeah you talk to sort of older ladies and I just remember this one time I was on the bus and we were chatting and I had my young kid and then she said something about oh you know when you get older you just say what you think and, <laughs> yeah, it's so true. and how many how many like little old ladies do you know they just go okay oh, I'm just going to tell you what I think yeah. and maybe that's it but I guess that's not really that inspiring for the younger audience. <laughs> you said it wasn't the geriatric podcast and here I am talking about old ladies telling people exactly what's what.
0: Yes, but then, but maybe actually, it's all that, is that it? What it, we need to do is just all behave a lot more like older people, you know, who have like realised that, you know, the world won't end if you say something yeah. to someone. I mean, I'll, you know, I don't know. Like the, I really did like what she said about, there are some traits that you just mentioned then that seem abrasive and seem abrupt mm. in women because they're unexpected, mm. because they're expected in men and so they don't cause fear. It's just like, oh, that's what you're like. But then when women show those traits, then, you know, they're almost troublemakers. Mm. Like that's, that's also an interesting way of thinking about how, we just have to try and stop and break the status quo.
1: So maybe that is the thing, you know, just if you do throw off the burden and say what you think and try not to overthink and try not to worry, then as a on mass, as a group, it won't be unexpected anymore. And mm. you know, If we all kind of took Tanara's lead and said, you know, what? it's not my problem. I'm going to say what I think and I'm going to either take feedback on board or not if I don't feel like it's coming from the right place or, you still, you know, believe in what you believe, yeah. then maybe it won't be so unexpected. I don't know. I don't have the answers.
0: She's <laughs> also reached clearly quite a high leadership position, right? So there's Absolutely. seniority where you can do this. And,
1: yeah,
0: you know, I think there's a lot we've talked in past podcasts about people need to see the change. Yes. And so now, you know, there are people getting into these positions that are willing to, you know, show that they are the change and to say the things that people perhaps have been thinking. Well, we know that they've been thinking um, mm. and have the confidence to kind of speak up and, and say it.
1: It is pretty inspiring. Mm. She's pretty inspiring.
0: Well, it's so inspiring. We should let people... I
1: know. It. I feel like we should have done this after. <laughs> it's a bit mean, dangling the carrot.
0: So let's hit play. You're going to listen to to Tanara's talk for yourself. It's excellent. And then we're back with another talk from Never Not International Women's Day. But we'll come back to that shortly.
3: It took me a really long time to realize that they're afraid of you. They're intimidated by you. Wasn't a compliment. It was an excuse. One that had been handed to me by peers and colleagues. Trying to give me advice or even console me in moments when I had confronted adversity at work, or had been denied access to a particular opportunity, or even had been ignored or treated poorly in a meeting? Why? Why, I would ask. Well, because you're strong, because you don't take shit, because you're not afraid to lead, because you get things done, you have a point of view. But weren't those things that my male colleagues were doing as well? Why would it be fearsome in me, but not in them? Because in me, it was unexpected, apparently. And unexpected things are to be feared. So that phrase gets passed out as an excuse as to why otherwise driven, intelligent, sometimes highly collaborative, largely male groups of colleagues didn't want to work with me. Or worse yet why leaders that I adored gave me categorically some of the worst career advice ever. Maybe you should not contribute and you should listen a little bit more. I had been listening for months at that point, but listen more. Maybe you should not express your opinion until everyone else has expressed theirs. You are too brash. You're too much yourself. You're too loud, you're not loud enough, all of those things. At some point or other in my career, I'd been told that I was intimidating someone and that I should tone it down. I've talked to a lot of women in my life lately about this idea of fear, what it means, what it has meant to them in the workplace, what it means for us as a collective. And I have realized that that phrase and that behavior is the acknowledgement that you're ill-equipped to deal with your own fear, and thus you've made it my problem. And that is a well-designed system. It is a very well-designed system, based largely on white, heteronormative, male, patriarchal values. And that is the system in which we live, work, and play. And it means that we carry that burden of fear for other people. And it is their fear of our power our success, and I suspect fear of the day that leadership means something different, that it ultimately means vulnerability, it ultimately means inclusivity, it ultimately means compassion and growth mindset. And I guess that is something to be feared because it's not the norm yet. It's not how we lead as a collective yet. And it's been a really successful campaign because ultimately it's even convinced some of us that we don't belong, that we don't belong in boardrooms that we don't belong in positions of leadership that we couldn't possibly thrive at the big table, that we don't have a big enough voice in a room to contribute. That if we're quiet leaders, we have to somehow change ourselves to become loud, aggressive, commanding. It must be hard to be afraid of being obsolete. Likely because our ability to thrive has been so connected to a damaged system predicated upon keeping us in our place that when we pop up like this, when those of us who are willing to challenge the system show up, we are a threat. And so I misread that reaction for the longest time as my problem. And that is why it will never not be International Women's Day until the systemic fear of me that exists is no longer my problem burden to bear. So we don't have any misconceptions about fear. Let me give you the definitions, of two things. Let's start with fear. Fear is the unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. It's a funny thing, fear. Like most qualities and emotions, it has its balcony moments and its basement moments and it's best, it helps you survive. It does help you identify actual threats. When it turns pathological though, at its worst, especially when it's passed along to others, it makes it hard for you to regulate your emotions, to reason, and it abandons you to be in a protective, reactive, and emotionally paranoid state. That state can lead to exaggerated and violent behavior. Whoa, violence. I know there's the second term, violence. We often think of violence as this physical act. And we are talking about the systemic crushing of women's abilities to succeed in the workplace, thus reinforcing the heteronormative patriarchal structures that have been in place for years and many hope will be in place for years to come. That shit is violent. Because violence is the intentional use of force, physical force or power, threatened or actual, against oneself, another person, or group or community that either results or has a high likelihood of resulting in death, injury, psychological harm, maldevelopment, or deprivation. Yep, we are talking about the systemic oppression of women, and that shit is violent. The system built over time from which many of us are attempting to recover while some still build monuments to it is based on that very definition, deeply rooted in violence against women. And it stems, it stems from fear. I don't know why the choice is to fear us. I think maybe it's just a fear of change, the changing norms that say that the way we've been doing things are not the way we should continue to do things. We can only really get past it, though, if we can recognize what that violence looks like when it shows up. So let me give you some examples so that you don't go back saying, oh, well, I don't do that. It's not me. I don't have that fear. I am not perpetuating this violence. Underpaying women is one classic example of deprivation and maldevelopment. It ensures that we are dependent upon others upon a system that does not fully recognize and compensate us for the value that we bring. It keeps us tied to many traditional systems, those of marriage, family, employment, in ways that men are not tied. You undervalue or entirely dismiss our contributions, whether that's ignoring what we said in a room until a man repeats the same thing, Or deciding that because we're young and female and maybe got some help from our community taking our first company public, I see you, Whitney, that we're somehow less than, or our accomplishments are less than. A dude who did the same thing with loans from his daddy or capital from friends. Pick an example. The world is rife with them. That diminishment says that our accomplishments are less than, that we somehow don't deserve to be recognized for all of the hard work that goes into the same accomplishment that men achieve. You diminish us because our style doesn't match yours. Let me not be cloaked about this. This is the executive presence conversation. Executive presence is a bullshit term for being loud and commanding and having all the right answers, being the rightest person in the room. I didn't say the whitest person in the room, but sometimes that's true too not polished enough, not corporate enough, too relaxed, too friendly, too colloquial. Ultimately, it means show up authoritatively, try to give less of a shit about people, command respect even though you didn't earn it. That's not executive presence. That's command and control. And the biggest part of it, the biggest piece of the puzzle that has clicked for me recently is that you really do want us to be everything and nothing at the same time. Not too loud. Make your voice heard though. Not too hard, don't be too hard, but don't be too sentimental either. Be smart, but not smarter than anybody else. Sure, take time off to be a mom. We'll give you that time off on us, but we're also gonna penalize you and hold back that promotion that you've been working toward because you're gonna take some time off and you couldn't possibly do both of those things at once. But when you do show up, show up for all of us, even though you need to set some boundaries for your life, show up for all of us at all times. By being everything and nothing, we ultimately disappear. And that would be easier, I'm sure. But all of these things are harmful. These are violent. These are harmful to women. They inflict harm on us and they inflict harm on an entire society of people because the truth is, and we've said it over and over again, when we do well, everybody else does well. It's so well designed, it has us questioning our own worth and our own contributions and one another. Imposter syndrome is some bullshit. Let's just be real. I can't remember the last time I heard a man say, I'll fake it till I make it. It means that we don't even believe that we're ready for something that somebody else may believe we're ready for. We'll talk ourselves out of it before somebody else can talk us into it. Acknowledge what you don't know. There's power in that. And then lean into that. Appreciate those around you who can help you learn and go for it. Gain power from recognizing that you are strong and you have things to learn. And please, can we just stop judging other women just because they don't conform to what your version of womanhood looks like? Let them do them and you do you. If you have feedback, give it. And give it constructively, supportively. If you have judgment, put it in your purse with your hot sauce in the baggies for another day and hiding who you are because this rotten ass system has told you to, it doesn't get any of us anywhere. Just we as women have to stop adding to the shit sandwich. 10 pounds in a five pound bag already. It doesn't need any help from us. We have to undo our contributions to the system. If you can show up and just be you, you've won the day already. The truth is it really should be international women's day and black history month and Latin history month and Asian history month and a whole bunch of other things until the systemic fear of people like me is no longer my burden to bear. But I've named this thing now I've named it for all of us. This inexplicable pile of garbage that was tied to my ankle. That's somebody else's fear, not mine. I acknowledge my fears and I let them fly and I turn my sail toward them and I use them to propel me forward they are my constant companion this is the balcony side of fear I choose acknowledgement and I choose bravery because I'm not scared not of you and not of this system your fear isn't my problem I'm way more afraid of what happens if I hold me back on your behalf. So as of today, I'm done. It will always be International Women's Day. Because I choose bravery over your fear. Your turn. We good?
1: Well, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that talk from Tanara as much as we did. and you can understand now why we sort of ranted about how great it was before we even let you listen to it. But we have another talk with you now from Andy Palane. He's a service design consultant. He's a coach. He's a trainer, author, keynote speaker. He's been around for a really long time. And his talk is sort of from the other angle. I mean, he acknowledges right at the beginning that he is, you know, a white man with a particular level of experience and power, I suppose. And he talks a lot about finding things to stop doing mm. rather than initiatives to start that lay burden on people more and more because we know that giving people more work is not really the answer. And what did you think of his talk, Andy? What was your...?
0: Yeah, I really like that point because it's so true because also like a lot of things that where you try and address challenges, people come up with, you know, tick boxes and checklists of things to do and it's always something new it's always something on top of what you're currently doing and it's usually what you're currently doing which is the problem right like we have this in mental health you know new initiatives to improve mental health whereas actually what we need to do is address the things that we're currently doing that lead to these problems and i think that's what you know nails exactly what he's doing he's saying you can't build a solution on top of a structural problem and what we have is a structural systemic problem when it comes to the lack of opportunities for women to get into leadership positions or you know to be able to earn more or to always have to you know poor parental leave policies you know and so oh. therefore being stuck in your career stuff that we've you know we've talked about quite a bit in there past but I don't think anyone sort of put it so well as to say hey who's addressing the system and the structure of the problem rather than coming up with new ideas and platforms and initiatives
1: mm. it's almost sort of easier to go okay well this is a solution without looking at all the structural details and everything that underpins it's a much bigger cultural question isn't it mm. I just thought it was interesting as well because in stopping doing things, you still need to start. Maybe it's starting viewing things in a different way. Mm -hmm. Stop hiring the people you know and start looking at wider groups. So stopping is also starting in a way. I thought when I was listening to him, like he's advocating stopping but in a way that kind of is like a redirection rather than, yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's like the stopping is... Sometimes you need to be able to kind of take a look at everything to be able to see the things that you're doing that might be causing mm. the problem and that might be causing harm because if it's become so ingrained and it's like always been like this, then you just don't, you won't see it. There's a great, um, we've had it in already, I think, in this season, Danielli, who talks about the two fish in the water there's a fish walking past yeah. and somehow and goes how's the water and the fish don't have any idea what the water what, what is it because they've always been in it and this is kind of the same mm. thing here it's like you're not going to see the problem if you've always been in it and if you've always been a part of the problem mm. and there's you know there's actually in our next episode there's also some great stuff from Tom Tapper who's from Nice and Serious and you know he talks about how you know people and I think you mentioned it just then like people hire people they know people hire their friends and if you hire people you know and you hire people who are your friends then you're basically hiring people that look like you and you're mm-hmm. you know adding to lots of people that look like you and making sure that lots of people who don't look like you don't get an op- opportunity
1: yeah I think hiring people that you know are good is not actually the problem in a way uh it's part of the problem it's but being able to expand that network before you even get to that stage Mm. you know it's you know how come your friends all look like you or how come your friends are all from the same part of Sydney Mm. or or the same city or (laughs) because if you expanded your network even before that point then you know I know that person's really good and they're over there doing this stuff it's not necessarily it's not necessarily that bad but it's all of it, isn't it? It's all the kind of layers of like Andy says, it's all about the layers of things yeah. that are contributing to the to the situation. And I think,
0: you know, it's got to the point where we have to do something different. And so it's you have to force change. You know, it's everyone has become comfortable, you know, that's how we got to this point. And so if we are gonna make change, then you're actually gonna have to spend a bit of time being uncomfortable. Mm. And People don't like uncomfortable a lot of the time. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: I mean, I say I like uncomfortable and then when I'm truly uncomfortable, I go, oh, that's right. This is, you know, yeah. I don't know. It feels like, yeah, I embrace being out of my comfort zone, but that's that means that it's actually a, an oxymoron. You can't actually like it. It's got to no, feel It's got to be uncomfortable, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the whole point. So true. Yeah. yeah.
0: The other great thing I think about Andy's talk is that Andy is, White male, and you know he he makes that point, and I've been chatting to lots of people like this recently, just about how you know we are white men, we're not involved in these conversations, like we're not actively listening, we're not actively tapping in. I hope that you know if there were some blokes listening to this podcast that they're still listening right now, like we're about you know just over halfway through and that they didn't you know jump off because they thought this wasn't for them you know they thought this was a never not international women's day podcast mm. and it's really easy to just kind of assume that you know that's not your problem but likely it is and you know like so many men do say is like oh I've got a daughter or a girlfriend or a wife and <laughs> yeah. make things better for them you know like actually you can and you can start to become part of the solution and I think you know whether it's so much stuff I've been talking about this with people of we want to try and make things better for our industry and you know so many people do lean into it but actually the men don't Mm. and so you know now's your opportunity you know now's your chance to actually you know shine a little bit and go because you know you are like that as well (laughs) maybe we'll come up with an award for it but now's the time to just like jump in and go actually yeah you could you could start making a difference tomorrow and by very much as Andy said like What could you stop doing?
1: Mm. And, I mean, you're probably in a higher position of power and with more influence, you can make a change much more quickly than other people. Mm. Anyway, without further ado, Andy Pallain.
2: Hello, my name is Andy Pallain. I'm an author, trainer, and coach in service design and design and innovation. Thanks for the invitation to speak at Never Not International Women's Day. So, What can another middle-aged, middle-class, grey-beardy man add to the conversation? Well, I spent a lot of time helping design and innovation teams work better together, and now I spend most of my time coaching design leaders, the majority of which are women. So I get to witness the human side of work, which is what my coaching is really about, as much as the professional. And I get to witness the anxiety, the stress, the insecurity, the trauma, And hopefully the successes of women in business and also the other side of how men behave and how their world is structured. And of course, I've experienced this and witnessed this firsthand myself and undoubtedly been part of the problem. One of the things I'm often asked by corporate clients is, you know, what do we need to do to be more innovative or fast or agile or whatever the fashion of the month is? And it's the wrong question. If you flip that question around and ask, why are we not more innovative? Why are we not doing this already? Everyone already knows the answers. You know, we have silos. We are structured wrong. We have problems with RT, whatever it is. And they're deep structural issues that need tackling, but they're hard. And so, while International Women's Day is a great awareness generation event, it's only once a year. I already forgot my New Year's resolutions. It's only February. If the conversation is only about what initiatives can we do. What initiatives can we develop? What extra can we do to create equity in the workplace? You're asking the wrong question. The problem with initiatives is that they're just adding stuff on top of a structural problem without dealing with the structural problem. They can be alluring because we've grown used to this idea of kind of doing equals good in work and in business. Hence the ask for how can we be faster and more agile and so forth. But as my podcaster, Reba Jahan, said to me, if you don't ask how we got to the situation in the first place, you're never really going to tackle the problem. The hardest thing in both life and work is to stop doing things. So when you flip the question around and ask why are there not more women in leadership? Why is there not more equity in the workplace already? How do we get here over the past 10, 50, 100, 150 years of this organization's history? You're faced with a lot of things to stop doing, and there's not much of a script for that. It even sounds a bit boring, banal even. Let's have a few more pictures of people wearing VR headsets instead. Or we could have a day when we ask all the women, on top of all the work they're already doing, to prepare an event, to talk to themselves and then forget about it for the rest of the year. But then we've ticked that box. It's easy to kick off an initiative. It's much harder to unpick structural problems. But this is really a case of stripping back the plaster, pulling out the old wiring and plumbing, treating the rot, fixing everything and then putting it back together again. It's not glamorous, it's not sexy, it's hard work, it's quite tedious. It may not get you a promotion, but it is necessary. It's easy to argue that there are fewer women in leadership because they have to make a choice between career and children, as if men have nothing to do with having children. Nobody congratulates a male CEO for juggling his job and kids successfully or for leaning in because they don't have to. It's easy to think that it's too complicated, too hard. And while it behooves organisations to deal with the structural issues of inequity, individual actions count. What I witness in my coaching is often it's the small things that grind people down or lift them up. There's a comment here, a silence there, being ignored, a mansplained, being told you're fabulous whilst watching other, less competent men being promoted ahead of you. Seeing them not be accused of being pushy for putting themselves forward or complaining, just ambitious. You know what it costs us men to pause and say, hold on, I think Amanda was about to speak, or Shayla said that already, Donald. Or to check our bias and our privilege in any number of situations where we might like to believe it's a competitive meritocracy and I got here by my hard work, whilst ignoring that it's not really a competitive meritocracy after all, but actually it's structurally rigged. What it costs us is absolutely nothing. So if you're a man watching this, and I hope you are, and you're thinking this is all a bit too postmodern, too woke, I want you to think deeply about what it is you're really attacking here. And I suggest it's something that feels rather uncomfortable. Well, you know, poor you. You'll get over it, I promise. And you know what else you can do? Just stop talking sometimes. Thanks for listening. Well, that's it for this episode
0: of Never Not Creative. You can jump on the website, nevernotcreative.org. Find out about everything we're doing. We've got a ton of initiatives. NNC walks, if you're not locked down.
1: I know, just as as soon as you started NNC walks.
0: We did have our first one in Brisbane.
1: Yep. And Brisbane can still walk. Go walk.
0: And they did last week as well.
1: At time of recording.
0: They're happening. We'll be on in Sydney soon. Melbourne's been put back, but don't worry, we'll be back. No matter, to be honest, wherever you are in the world, jump on the Never Not Creative site fill out the form, I'll get all the promos set up for you and you can go and start your own walk. And you need three people, just three for safety, really. And you can go and start your own walk. There's also plenty of other things, uh, internships, minimum standards, mentally healthy, lots of things happening.
1: Lots of resources. Lots
0: of resources. Come and get involved. And come join us if you want to chat about Never Not Creative, if you want to chat about this episode, the podcast, whatever, you can join us at bit.ly/slash NNC Discord and you can come join our Discord server. So, thanks for joining us, Sarah. Oh,
1: you looked right at the camera when you said that. You,
0: look, Very... you looked like you were getting away. No, no.
1: I was stopping my notebook from falling off my desk. So, I was trying to catch it.
0: Did yeah. you succeed?
1: Yes congratulations well, Or caught that's the win for the day
0: we've got to take these little wins when we can
1: <laughs> <laughs> monday the 26th of july did not drop no book congrats thanks sandy for having me
0: thanks for joining us sarah it's been good to have you back on the podcast
1: it's been good to be here in my tiny sunroom talking to you through the computer
0: as we do most days yes but...
1: true <laughs> Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.
0: Thank you.